We're beginning a new sermon series entitled God in the Grind. Let me do a little explanation, uh, begin with a few anecdotes by way of explaining that uh, sermon series title, God in the Grind. I'm aware of uh, several men around my age who are going through vocational challenges, a little uh, fellowship group that I'm involved in. And at one point in time, the vast majority were not only going through vocational transition, but were experiencing some significant challenges around that transition. Everything from employee squabbles, which derailed the launch of a product and eventually derailed an entire business, from uh, decisions made by an unseen bureaucracy that completely altered someone's uh, anticipated professional career, from just just incompetency and lack of communication by people to make decisions. Frustrating uh, in the vocational world, God in the grind. Another example, uh, a couple a little bit older than me is going through minor to medium health challenges. And in addition to the anxiety that health challenges uh, introduce into our life, there's also the grind of just making sure that one doctor is talking to another doctor and this medication is covered by insurance and the grind. One last example on a more personal note, it's about a year away from my dad's diagnosis of pancreatic cancer, a disease that took his life in four months, uh, so last October. And in addition to the emotional toll, there's also simply the physical toll, the physical toll of travel, the physical toll of, uh, of finalizing someone's life. And even if that someone is very organized, just the, the details that you never thought of and the things that must be done, uh, it's just a grind. So from vocational challenges to health challenges to relational challenges, I am interested in the subject of where is God in the grind? Now, you know what that phrase means when we say it. How does life feel? Well, it feels a little bit like a grind. What we mean when we say something like that is, I feel the relentless pressures and the ceaseless struggles of everyday life. And just think with me about that word, the grind. Think of a little pepper. You know, we grind our pepper over our meal. You take that little peppercorn, and that little peppercorn, as it is ground, is reduced to dust. Grind. Doesn't it? Relentless struggles and persistent pressures. It just feels like it's grinding away, reducing us to dust, demoralizing, deflating. It, it makes us ask the question, why even bother? What's the point? Maybe I'll just tap it in. The grind. So for the next couple of weeks, we'll be in a sermon series called God in the Grind. And we're going to look at some characters of the Old Testament. And I hope you'll be encouraged. We're going to finally have good company if you have, or when you feel like you are in the grind. We're going to discover that, you know, Every character in the Bible goes through the grind. So we're going to share some good company. And further, I hope you'll be encouraged by learning where God is when we are in the grind. The first character we're going to encounter is Joseph. I'm going to organize our thoughts around three prepositions. 
God is with Joseph in the grind. God is doing something in Joseph through the grind so that God will do something through Joseph after the grind is over. So those three prepositions will guide our thoughts. With, in, and through. Let's think about that first point. God was with Joseph in the grind. So uh, a little summary about Joseph's life. If you know anything about Joseph, he was the recipient of children. What did he receive? A coat of many colors. And the coat of many colors was an indicator of his favored status with his father. Jacob, Joseph was one of 12 sons of his father's, of his father Jacob. And Joseph was not a very pleasant child. Uh, he was not only the favored son, but he was unashamed in, of informing his siblings of his favored status. He was immature, arrogant, he flaunted his position. I think the term a spoiled brat may seem a little harsh, but I think it's applicable for Joseph. His brothers are offended uh, by Joseph. And first they plot to murder him, and then they relent and decide only to sell him into slavery. So, and that's where our story picks up. Joseph is in slavery, having just been sold to a man named Potiphar. And Joseph is in the land of Egypt, having been taken from his home and now in the land of Egypt. And if you just look at your passage with me, sometimes when the Bible is, wants us to capture a point, it simply repeats a phrase or a word time and time again. And did you note the one word that jumps out on this passage from both the introduction and the conclusion? It is the word the Lord was with. It occurs something like four times in both the introduction and the conclusion. The Lord was with Joseph. And what is surprising about this text and really about Joseph's life is how many bad things happened to Joseph despite the Lord being with him? So let me fill in the blanks of, uh, again, another summary of what happened in this middle of this 39th chapter. So verses 7 and 8 give us a hint of storm clouds on the horizon. Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. So he was a looker. And after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph. And we can, the adult listeners can discern the type of struggles that Joseph is going to encounter. No need to go into that. Joseph faces temptation, and he faces temptation repeatedly. And as repeatedly as Joseph faces temptation, he perseveres in temptation. And Potiphar's wife, humiliated, turns from temptation and allurement to accusation. And that's where our passage concludes. Joseph is falsely accused by Potiphar's wife. Due to the false accusation, Joseph loses everything. He loses his, his job. He loses his privileged position. Uh, he's tossed into prison. But, did you notice how our passage concludes? It concludes with the same themes that we heard as the passage began. Joseph was confined in prison, but verse 21, the Lord was where? The Lord was with Joseph. 
I simply underscore the opening point that where is God in the grind? God is with Joseph in the grind. God was with Joseph as Joseph rose to power. God was with Joseph as Joseph was tempted, as Joseph was falsely accused. God was with Joseph as he was fired. God was with Joseph as Joseph was tossed to prison. Apparently, God's presence does not protect Joseph from things that must have felt like God's absence. Further, Joseph's experience of temptation, the fact that he was accused, that he did lose his his calling, that he was tossed into prison, was no evidence of God's absence. So, God's presence does not protect Joseph from the grind. And the grind does not indicate that God has abandoned Joseph. Apparently, God and the grind can coexist. And they do coexist. And we just have to let this fact sink in. So often, we think life is good, life is easy, I must be doing everything right. God must be smiling on me. And when life is hard, when we are in the grind, when vocational challenges emerge, when relational, etc., when we are in the grind, we can think, huh, I must be doing something wrong, or God is no longer with me. And that is just wrong math. God is with Joseph as Joseph rises. God is with Joseph as Joseph falls. I think one of the worst things, the most challenging things for me about being in the grind is the accompanying loss of confidence. Remember that image of something being ground down, a little peppercorn in the pepper grinder. It's, it's reduced to dust, and that's what the grind feels like. It feels like we just, we lose our confidence. We wonder, if I, can I do anything right? Because everything we touch seems to fall to dust. But just consider... Uh, Consider the recent example from the NCAA men's basketball tournament. You know the story of UVA? I wonder how many times UVA's basketball seasons has been referenced in a sermon since that time. Probably a lot, so one more sermon reference. A year ago, UVA was in the grind. They, if you don't follow basketball well, they, were, they entered the tournament as the top seed, number one in the nation, and they were beat by the 16th seed, lowest seed of the tournament, an upset that heretofore had never been experienced. And can you just imagine the grind? Can you imagine the, the, the lack of confidence that that coach must have felt, players must have felt, staff must have felt, but they persevered. They stuck with their coach, the coach stuck with his plan, the players stuck with the coach, and the rest is history. That word confidence it means confide, or broken into its parts, confide, with faith. With faith. With faith in what? With faith that God is with you. God is with Joseph as he rises. God is with Joseph as he falls. God is with Joseph when it's smooth sailing, and he's with Joseph in the grind. Are you going through the grind? Then go through it with confidence. 
Go through it with confidence that God is with you. Let me pause just a moment and consider that phrase, God is with you. How many times do you think that occurs in the Bible? God was with, fill in the blank. It sounds like a very common idea, very common sentiment. 100, 200. Would you believe that the word God was with only occurs 15 times in the Old Testament? Four of which are in this passage that we just read. Which seems strange because when I pray for my family, God, please be with Please be with us as we travel. Please be with my children as they go to school. It's such a very common prayer that we assume that God is with us. And I just want us to remind us that the fact that we believe and it is true that God is with us is really a product of our Christian faith and what Jesus did. Remember Jesus' name, Emmanuel, God with us. His promise that, uh, to be with us to the end of the age. His final words to his disciples. In the boat with his disciples, Jesus is with us them in the boat. And so we can with confidence say, yes, God is with us. With us in the grind. So, opening point, are you going through the grind? Likely you are. At some point you will be. Then go through it with confidence. Head held high. God is with you in the grind. Second, God is doing something in Joseph through the grind. I've stumbled on this passage out of the psalm, Psalm 119. The author is going through the grind. The author writes, I was afflicted and I went astray. The insolent now smear me with lies. So, the grind, false accusations, etc. And in the middle of his litany, he writes this. You are good. You do good, teach me your way. Now that's a great prayer. He's in the grind, getting cr- being crushed, and he says, wait, wait, wait. I'm going to start with some basic assumptions. Assumption number one, God, you're good. Assumption number two, the things you do are good. So teach me. Teach me your ways in the middle of the grind. Joseph, as I mentioned, began his life as a not-too-promising, insolent school. But through his humiliation, he learned humility. Through the grind, the grind revealed the character, revealed the man that he was. Notice how Joseph was trustworthy as a steward in Potiphar's house, trustworthy with Potiphar's wife, trustworthy with the prison. The grind revealed him to be the man he was. Back to the UVA coach, he said something. He must have been a man of some faith convictions, likely a Christian faith. He said something to the effect of, you know, I learned to look at that loss as a painful blessing. When we are in the grind, what do we want? We want it to be over. Just make it stop. Could I have some relief, please? A little smooth waters instead of a constant chop. That is a reasonable prayer to pray. But how much better would it be to pray something of what we find in Psalm 119, something that we see in the character of Joseph, 
Lord, you are good. I believe you're good. I believe the things that you do in my life are good. Help me. Teach me. Help me be the person that I would not be had I not gone through this. Shape me. Form me. I don't like it. But don't, if you're going to go through it, you might as well not waste the experience. So our second point. God is with Joseph in the grind. God is with you, doing something in you through the grind. Everyone's got to go through it. You might as well make the most of it. Our third point. God was with Joseph. God is in doing something in Joseph so that God will do something through Joseph after the grind is over. A brief summary of Joseph's life following this passage. Joseph in prison rises again to power. He rises on almost a meteoric ascent. He becomes the most powerful man in Egypt, second in charge. And as his fortunes rise, the fortunes of his brothers fall. The same brothers that sold him into slavery. And a famine encountered by the brothers bring those same brothers before Joseph in need of assistance and in and in ignorance of the person they stood before. They didn't know it was Joseph. And Joseph looks over the sweep of his life, perhaps reflecting on the events of, that we encounter in chapter 39. And he has one of the most profound statements, and you probably know it. He said, what you intended for evil, God intended for good so that many people may be kept alive. And that is exactly what happened. The story of redemption that God began with Abraham, continued with Isaac, and with Jacob, now continues through Joseph. And his family is preserved. I appreciate the summary that a preacher named Lincoln Duncan provided. He said, the unfolding story makes it obvious that God, that it is God who brought Joseph here to Egypt for the task of preserving his people. And so God preserves Joseph so that Joseph might be used to preserve his people. You see, God was doing something in Joseph so that God could do something through Joseph after the grind was finished. I believe that's true for us. I believe God is doing something in each of us so that God will one day do something through each of us. That God has, is good, and the things he does are good, and not at random, and he has a plan and a purpose for each of us. Now, a quick caveat. I think it highly unlikely that Joseph, as he was being sold into slavery, as he was being falsely accused, thought, ah, well, of course, yes. Here I am being sold into slavery. I'm going to go to Egypt, be falsely accused, and rise to power in Pharaoh's prison, so that, one day, I will be a blessing to my family. No, of course not. It just felt like the grind. But I think, I speculate here, but I believe that Joseph did not know what God was up to, but he knew that God was up to something. I think that's the same true, that can be the same thing true for us. I think it's very unprofitable for us in the midst of the grind to think, well, hmm, the wind of providence is doing this, 
so I will be prepared to do that. We just don't know. But we can trust, as Joseph trusted, that God is up to something. So, let me summarize. Maybe you are going through the grind right now. The daily struggles and the relentless pressures of life feel like they're grinding you to dust and you feel demoralized and defeated. And you think, why, why do I even bother? Joseph's story has some encouragement for us. First, that God is with you in the grind. Are you going through it? Then go through it with confidence. Head held high. Trust that God is doing something in you through the grind. Pray what the psalmist prayed. You are good. The things you do are good. Teach me. Teach me your ways. Easier said than done, but God is doing something in you through the grind. And finally, God is doing something in us so that he will do something through us. What is that thing that he is doing in us so that he will one day do through us? I don't know. Neither do you. But, if the story of Joseph is any example for us, then whatever God is doing is more than we can ask or imagine. And that should be an encouraging thought for us as we go through the grind.